So I didn't mean to pray for like 15 minutes, but I'm sorry. Um, man, I've just been messed with for like, for a couple weeks. Uh, I was gone last week, by the way. Um, had a, a massive issues with my stomach, um, which I'll tell you about later because it was gross. Um, but I'm glad to be back. And uh, as you can tell, I'm a little fired up. I'm a little annoyed. I'm a little, can't say that word, um, angry. Like a, a, just a, I, I hope that it's holy and I hope that it's a righteous anger, but I'm just mad. I'm mad at the way in which things are. I look at the word of God. I see what God's word says. I give full sufficiency to God's word in that it alone is true. It alone brings men to repentance. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. It's impossible to please God without faith. The way you get faith is through the word of God. The word of God is true. It is sure. It's a sword. It's a mirror. It's a light. It's worth more than gold. Um, by it, your servants warned. By it, we have joy. It restores the soul. All of those things that it says about the Word of God. Okay? I, I, I believe that. I believe that the Word of God is the only thing that transforms, where the Word of God, the Holy Spirit comes through the Word of God as it's preached, grabs hearts, takes scales off of eyes, unplugs ears, changes hearts, breaks through walls, breaks chains, restores, redeems, all of those things. I believe that. I've seen that happen, but I am so not satisfied with the amount of transformation that is taking place. So what I'd like for you to do tonight, um, <laughs> crazy night, crazy night, but God is good and faithful. Let's go to John chapter 17. If you have your Bible, um, turn there, please. John chapter 17, sorry I'm Italian and I get really worked up and the Holy Spirit has to change me. Okay, John chapter 17, are you there? Yes, no? Okay, I'm not. John chapter 17 is an amazing chapter. Uh, let me give you a little bit of context. John is an amazing book. If you know unbelievers, if you know what we call seekers, if you know people that think they're saved and they're not saved, John is a great place for them to dwell and live. Uh, my wife constantly does Bible studies with our neighbors um, who don't know the Lord, and you say, hey, you want to know about Jesus? Yeah, let's go to the book of John. We study the book of John, and unbelievers study the Word of God, which is crazy because a lot of believers don't study the Word of God. They go into God's Word, and they say, okay, who's Jesus? The whole book of John, just in case you were wondering, thumb through over to uh, chapter 20. It's always good to know why someone writes what they write. John chapter 20, verse 30 says, Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that, purpose, these have been written so that you may what? Believe. Everyone say that word, please. Believe so that you may believe that what? Jesus is the Christ, or some of your translations say Messiah. And just in case we didn't get that, it says Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God, that we get that. And 
that believing, as you are believing, you may what? You may what? Have life. Where? Where's that light come from? In His name. Okay, so there's this big question. There's, we have our postmodern mind and, you know, we've got all these things swirling around in our brain about uh, what reality is. I'm not a philosopher, but all these epistemological things going on and all these things of like, what, what is truth and what is reality and, you know, is this a dream? You know, that kind of weird stuff. We, that's where we are. But back, come with me back to the Greek mindset and come back with me to the Hebrew mindset. Belief. Okay? If I believe something, Hebrew mindset. If I believe it, it's not just enough to believe it with my head. Oh, I believe. I believe. I believe. That's not belief. If I believe something according to Hebrew mindset, according to the Greek mindset, if it's truly a belief, it's the same about knowledge too, if I truly believe, what's it going to do if I believe? Anybody know in here? It's going to change the way you live. Give me a one-word thing. If I believe, then I will... No, not receive... Transform, yeah. If I believe, I will obey. Belief and obedience are inseparable in the Word of God. If you believe, then you obey. If you believe, it's synonymous with obedience. Crazy, right? Uh, Thumb back over to uh, John chapter 15. Let me show this to you. Oh, this isn't the Bible I marked up. Oh, well. Um, let's go to verse 12. Well, go back to verse 8. Eh, 7. If you abide in me, if you live, dwell, remain in me, if you find your residence in Christ, and my what? My words, what? Abide, dwell, remain. If You abide in me, and my words abide in you. What? Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Whoa, that's crazy. Let's get some more understanding of that. Verse 8. My Father is glorified, made much of, bragged about, boasted about by this, that you bear much fruit. And what? So prove. Prove what? To be my disciples. How do you prove that you're a disciple? By bearing fruit. How do you bear fruit? Well, you abide. How do you abide? Well, Christ's words abide in you. The word, abide, obey. Let's keep going. Um, Prove to be my disciples. Verse 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide, live, dwell, remain. Where? In my love, I wonder what the key word is in this chapter. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments. Okay, so look at what he's just talked about in verse 9. Just as my father's loved me, I've loved you. The same kind of love that God had for Jesus, what does Jesus say right here? Same kind of love, who does he have that for also? For us. 
I have also loved you. Live, dwell, remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you abide in my love, you will keep my commandments. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love, da 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 da. He goes in, on and on and says this. Another place where it talks about this is John chapter 3, the whole Nicodemus situation. John 3 16, everybody say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. should not perish, but have everlasting life. Remember, this book was written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, da, 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 eternal life. Okay, they're, they're connected, obviously. Then later on in John chapter 3, Jesus says, Basically, keep my commandments. Obey. Two things the Christian life can be boiled down to. Trust God, trust, and obey. There's this really crazy hymn written about it. Trust. God's word is faithful. What God says is true. What God says will happen will happen. The warnings God gives, the promises God gives, trust it. And it's not enough just to trust it. Take the step of obedience. Trust that God loves you and will take care of you as far as your finances and your stuff goes. Like we're talking about on Sundays, Matthew chapter 6. Trust Him and obey. Well, I trust God, but I don't obey. Well, then you don't trust God. Do we get how that's connected? Okay, we get that here, but do we get that here? Do we get that the way we live our life? I don't think so. Let's go to John chapter 17. Okay, for the past couple of months, um, I've been here for four months, and we've been, there's the, been this buzz about what God is doing and some stuff that's taking place, and uh, it, it's cool. There's a lot of cool stuff that's going on. Um, but for the past couple of weeks, uh, from the holidays, you know, it was awesome, like, December comes, all the college students come home, and it's like, wow, all the people are home. And then we get to January, and we start back our Bible study on Wednesday nights, and it's like, okay, whatever. Um, John chapter 17. God is a missionary God. Do you get that? What's it mean to be a missionary? Are there any missionary kids in here? Okay, good. You, you are? Nice. Missionary. What's it mean to be a missionary? You see, for years we've done this disservice in the church. We've said, hey, we're going to hire you as a full-time missionary. You're going to raise support and you're going to go and be a missionary. What's the problem with that? If God is a missionary God... And like we talked about two weeks ago, that God sent 
Jesus. All through the book of John, do you remember? God, as the Father sent me, the Father sent me so that I could do this. The only things I've done are the things that I've seen my Father doing because he sent me. My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. The Father has sent me, sent me, sent me all over the place in the book of John. If God is a missionary God, think of this. Jesus as missionary with me, okay? We, we have so warped thinking because we're so numb and so used to this doctrine. Jesus, God, creator, spoke Elohim into darkness creating the light. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. That's in John chapter 1. Verse 14, And we beheld His glory, the glory from the Father, and He dwelt among us. Jesus, Philippians chapter 2 says, He was God, but He added to being God His humanity. So 100% God, 100% man, wrap your mind around it, I don't know if you can, but God divine left heaven on mission. Left heaven put on flesh, put on Middle Eastern flesh. God left, God who stands above time, transcendent over all, ruler over all, in authority over all, leaves that, comes to earth, puts on flesh, starts breathing the air that he's created. Starts living the life that he's created. He doesn't come in palace. He doesn't come with trumpets and all this great pomp and circumstance type stuff. He comes, and where does he come to? He comes to a stable. We just celebrated it. We just bought a bunch of gifts for people in honor of it. He comes to a stable to live a life on mission. What was the mission? What was he sent here to do? To accomplish. Saving the world. To seek and save those who are lost. To fulfill the plan of redemption that started back in the garden. To fulfill it. That's why Jesus was on mission. That's why God is a missionary God. So if God is a missionary God, sent Jesus, Jesus did all these crazy things in his life, lived under the authority of his parents, went into the temple, spoke with authority. People were awed and amazed at the knowledge that he had as a 12-year-old little boy. He continues to grow, submits, submits to what the Father says to him, could have just said, I saved the world right now. Goes through the motions, goes through, lives life among the people, and then when he's around the age of 30, it's on. He declares his public ministry. He's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, and he fasts and prays for 40 days. I've been looking a lot at Jesus' prayers, which is where this comes from. Jesus' prayers. Jesus, God, divine, prays blows my mind. He's in constant fellowship with the Father, and yet he goes to the wilderness to have solitude, prays for 40 days, fasts for 40 days, and the enemy comes to him, and bam, 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 comes at him. Tries to twist the word of God, the enemy does. Jesus, the speaker of the word of God, uses the word of God in order to combat the evil one. Then the ministry happens. 
He goes through and deals with stupid people like you and me. He deals with crowds. He deals with demoniacs. He deals with people who are sick. And then you get to John, the end of John. Uh, John chapter 15 is the abide chapter. Jesus is preparing his disciples for what's about to go down. Um, He washes the disciples' feet. Um, Well, let's go back a little bit. In John chapter 11, he raises Lazarus from the dead. That was a crazy situation. He speaks to death. Lazarus come forth, and Lazarus is raised from the dead. Amazing. Uh, He washes the disciples' feet in the upper room. You have the whole story with Judas, one who has followed him, who's betrayed him. Jesus knows about it, still washes his feet. Uh, You have the betrayal from Peter, the denial of Peter. You have him promising the Holy Spirit. This is all in John 14, 15, 16, all leading up to John chapter 17. You have the vine and the branches of chapter 15. Any branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, I cut it off, throw it into the fire. There's a theological firestorm for you. I encourage you to study that. And then he says in John chapter 15 that the world is going to hate you. Awesome. The disciples are so encouraged and so ready for what's about to happen. Let me read this to you. Verse 26 of chapter 15. When the helper comes, the paraclete, the comforter, the strengthener comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, whom I will send to you from the Father. That is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me, Christ. And you, disciples, will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit is going to come. Jesus is preparing them. He can't come until Jesus dies on the cross. And so Jesus says when he comes, he's going to comfort you. He's going to push you along and he's going to make you testify. What's it mean to testify? I wish we were a little Pentecostal in here. What's it mean to testify? to proclaim, to say, that's true. This, I've experienced that, this is true. To testify, to be a public witness, to tell others. Then you get to John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5, this is crazy. High priestly prayer of Jesus. Jesus does not get on his knees and say, Lord, I ask that you would save the entire world. Verses 1 through 5, somebody look at verse 1 and 2. What's Jesus praying for? Or about? Glory. That's a key word in chapter 17. You gave me authority, all flesh, to all whom you have given him. He may, glory, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life. Remember, John's all about eternal life, that you may believe, and believing you may have eternal life. This is eternal life. What's eternal life, according to this verse? Who has it? That you may know that they, the disciples, may know you, God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus was a testimony of who God was, and if you believed that God sent Jesus as the Redeemer, then that's eternal life. Notice it does not say, this is eternal life, that you walk an aisle, get dunked in a pool, and live life the way that you want to live life, and then die, and glory, go to heaven. Is that what your version says? 
Anybody have a message in here? Is that what the message says? Or the rainbow Bible? No. Anybody's Bible say that? Okay, so if this is what God says eternal life is to know, what's our job? If, it, if we have eternal life, what, what is the plan for us? To know. To know God, and as we know God, what happens? Paul said it, to know him and to make him known. Awesome. Okay, so verses 1 through 5, Jesus is praying for himself. That's a little conceited. But he's Jesus. He can do that. He's manifested his name, verse 6, okay? So you get to uh, verses 6 to 19. Jesus shifts from praying about himself to praying for the disciples. Then, verses 20 to 26, he starts praying, okay, I'm going to pray for the disciples, and now I'm going to pray. I'm going to look into the future and pray for the disciples of the disciples of the disciples of, to, of the disciples. Look at verse 20. What's it say? I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who, what's the word? Those who believe, how are they going to believe? Uh-oh, through their word. Whose word? The disciples. So Jesus in the, in, not, he's not in the garden. Jesus is praying and he says, I pray for the disciples, and we're going to get into that, and not just for them, but for who else? Those who believe through their word. How many of you believe in here? Remember, belief is obey. Not a rhetorical question. If you believe, then back in the day, Jesus prayed for you. That's kind of cool. Okay? Now, let's get to this. In this prayer, there are two things that I want to highlight to you. Number one, Jesus reports about what he's done. And then number two, Jesus asks, asks, I can't talk, asks some Requests of God. He prays some prayers. He does what is called a petition. He asks God on behalf of others, okay? Look at some of the things that he reports about. Verse 6 and 7. I've manifested your name to the men that you gave me. I did my job out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know, another key word, that everything you have given me is from you. They believe they believe the word. Look at verse 8. For the words that you, have, that you gave me, I have given to them that they, number one, what do they do? They received them. Not only received them, but what? Number two. Yeah, they truly understood that I came forth from you. I was sent from you. And what else? They believed. What did they believe? Believe. That you, that you sent me. Jesus and God are missionary gods. Look at verse uh, 9. Look at what he says in verse 9. I ask on their behalf, the disciples, I do not ask on behalf of the world. Kills me that Jesus is praying for 12 people, minus 1. 12, 11, because Judas is out, <clears throat> which was written about in the Old Testament and was fulfillment of Scripture. Crazy. He prays for 11 people to start this revolution. He doesn't pray for the people that would receive the revolution. He doesn't pray for the world, the people that might receive, might not receive. He prays for those 11 people and those who have received, those who have truly understood, those who have believed that God sent him. 
Verse 10, all things that are mine are yours and yours are mine and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world and yet they themselves are in the world. Jesus is out, the disciples are still here. And I come to you in heaven, Holy Father, keep them, preserve them in your name, the name which you have given me that they may be one as we are one. So Jesus prays for them. Verse 12, let's look at what else he says. While I was with them, I was keeping, I was constantly preserving, keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded or garrisoned them, and not one of them perish, but the son of perdition, Judas, so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. So, Jesus revealed the Father, Jesus gave the word to the disciples, Jesus prayed for the disciples, Jesus kept the disciples safe, look at verse 19. For there, the disciples say, I sanctify myself. God, Jesus, is saying, I sanctify myself for the purpose of them, that they themselves, disciples, may be sanctified or hagiadzo, made holy by the truth. Jesus prays for the disciples, crazy. Set apart for their sanctification, and then look at what he does in verse 18. Look at what he says. As you, what's the word? As you, missionary God, sent me. Apostoleo. What's that sound like? Apostoleo. Apostle. As you sent me with the purpose of a message and a mission into the world, I, Jesus, have also apostoleo. I have also sent them on mission with the message, where? I've sent them with the message into the church. I've sent them with the message on comfy couches on Wednesday nights. Is that what it says in parentheses in your rainbow Bible? There is a version named the rainbow version. And one of my students' parents wanted me to teach out of it and also use hand puppets in class to seniors. She did not get her wish. As you, apostoleo, sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Now this is talking about the disciples. As I sent them, as you sent me, I send them. Okay, the deal is, if we want to be like Jesus, and Jesus was a missionary God, what do we have to be? missionaries. We have to be on mission. We have to be missional. We have to live our life with the purpose of seek and save those who are lost. Colossians 1, 28 and 29 says it like this. We proclaim him, Christ crucified. We proclaim him teaching. Yay. We like teaching and admonishing. Slap you upside the head when you're wrong and when you're living life the way you're not supposed to in grace and love. We proclaim him teaching and admonishing every man so that purpose, what? So they may be, anybody know? Mature, complete, whole. That's the point. That's why we're here tonight. We proclaim him teaching, admonishing every man. We toil, we agonize over this goal, over this purpose. Okay, so that's what Jesus reported. He prays, he says, I've revealed, I've given them a correct representation of who God is. I have given the word to the disciples, they've received it, they've understood it, they believe that you have sent me. I've 
kept them safe. I have, I'm going to sanctify myself so that they can be sanctified in the truth. And I've sent them with the truth into the world. And then he asks for some requests. Okay, so he gives the report and then he says, hey God, will you do this? Look at verse 11. What's God ask them to do? Ask God to do. Sorry. Someone read it to yourself and then say what he asks them. I keep saying that. What Jesus asks God to do. Anybody? Yeah, keep them in their name. Keep going. What's the point? That they may be one. Jesus asks God to make his followers, to make the disciples unified with the mission. Sent and unified. One with the purpose. Not fighting against each other. Look at verse 13. But now I come to you, this is what Jesus asks, and these things I, Jesus, speak in the world for the purpose so that they, the disciples, may have my joy full in themselves. He asked that we would be one. He asked that in doing this mission thing, in doing this oneness thing, that we would have joy in doing it. Look what else he asked. Verse 15. This kills me. I do not ask you to take them out of the world. Anybody wonder why when you become a Christian, you don't just like die at that moment? I always wonder that. Like, uh, it's, it's all hopeless after this. Like, let's just go to heaven. Let's get this over with. Okay? Why don't we die? Because we have a mission. Because we're sent. Because apostoleo. Because just as the Father sent Christ, Christ has sent us into the world. <clears throat> I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but, what? But to keep them, that's a key word too, to protect them, to garrison them from whom? The evil one. Okay, just in case we don't know, who's that? Yeah, what do we know about him? He's a deceiver. He's the father of lies. The truth is not in him. 1 Corinthians says, I think it's 1 Corinthians, he masquerades as an angel of light, seeking to deceive people. His purpose is to, he's got a threefold purpose, steal, kill, and destroy. He's the father of lies. We already said that. He's the great dragon. Um, wow. Your adversary, the devil, what's he do? prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Okay, scary. Not really, though. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They, verse 16, are not of the world. Huh. They're not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify, make them holy, set them apart. They're not of the world, but make them even more different. How? Sanctify them in truth. Make them holy by truth. What's truth? Your logos, your word is truth. Ephesians puts it this way, wash them by the water of the word. Okay, so... 
Jesus' request, unify them, give them joy, protect them from the evil one, and establish them in truth. Do we get that God is a missionary God? Look at all the things that are wrapped in this, in this chapter here. We've got one, Jesus is praying. Okay? Jesus is praying, 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 praying. Number two, Jesus is praying that they would be one. That's huge. If we want to do this mission thing, if we want to do this apostoleo being sent, then we have to be one. We have to be unified on the purpose. Also, the truth, the word of God is huge in this chapter. It brings joy. It brings cleansing. It brings protection from the evil one. Awesome. So, four months ago, we started this conversation about uh, how to do this. That we were no longer going to be this generation that's indifferent to God's word, where we just come and we're numb to the word, but we're going to let it speak to us, and we're going to take steps of obedience to walk this thing out. We looked at the method of Jesus and how Jesus evangelized. Remember the woman at the well? Jesus goes, hangs out with the prostitute during the day, in the heat of the day, asks her for some water, gets a conversation going, steers the conversation to a spiritual direction and says, if you only knew who was asking you for water, you would say, give me water. Give me lasting satisfaction. Has that conversation with her. She evidently believes because she goes back, she tells the whole village, remember she's shady, she's a prostitute, not really a prostitute. She doesn't even get paid for it. She just has five lovers, and the one she lives with now is not her husband. She's So she goes back, tells the whole city, and they're probably like, oh, no, he's told you everything that you've ever done. He knows everything that you've ever done. Shoot. Probably some of her former lovers were in that crowd too. So the whole city comes to Jesus, who's hanging out at this well, and she says, hey, he's the Messiah probably. They go, oh, he's the Messiah. So this shady lady leads the whole city to the Lord, to where they believe. That's evangelism. Cultivate relationships, so the gospel, reap a harvest. Okay? Some of you are in that category. Yay, the gospel has been sown into your life. You're getting it. It's transforming you. Awesome. The next category is establish. You move from that you are sanctified, you take steps of obedience to where, boom, Jesus says be baptized, you're baptized. Remember, belief happens first, the gospel happens first, then baptism, and then you're rooted in some elementary foundations of the faith, who God is, who Jesus is, what sin is, what holiness is, what all that means. Some of you a lot less than this category. Some of you are in this category. Some of you still need to be baptized. Some of you are playing this game of like, I don't know, I was sprinkled, or eh, whatever. Uh, you need to get baptized. You need to take the step of obedience. You need to obey what Christ says, have faith, believe, put it into action, okay? So that's established. Then we move to equip. A lot less of you are in this category where... You know your spiritual gift. You know what God has created you in Christ Jesus to do. You are living that out. You realize that the purpose about church, the purpose about life is not about you, but it's about Christ, Him crucified, and you demonstrating that with your life. 
So you serve the church, you are mobilized, you go out two by two and you say, okay, I'm going to do what Jesus says we're supposed to do. I'm going to go out into the community and we're going to do this thing for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus, him crucified and the crucified life that he now wants to live through me. You're equipped. And then the last category, extend, where you continue down this road and as you're mobilized and as you're going out, you're starting the whole process over again. You're saying, oh, Jesus did this for me. This is the gospel transforming my life. This is how I used to be an alcoholic. And now Jesus has loosed me from the bondage of alcoholism. You used to be enslaved to pornography. You go up to the guy at the gym who you know is enslaved to pornography and you say, hey, are you sick of that? Are you sick of spending all that money? Are you sick of not finding fulfillment and lasting satisfaction in front of your computer or on Friday night? Well, let me introduce you to Jesus, the chain breaker. And you introduce him to the gospel. And you live the gospel. And you pull him along with you and say, let's walk this road together. Not, hey, I'm going to leave a track, but let's walk this road. Let's enter into community with one another. Some of you, we need to have that conversation with you. Do you realize that there is a chain breaker? His name is Jesus. Do you realize that's the point of the gospel? Not to just give you heaven, but to transform your life to where you live for Jesus. Do you get that? I pray every night and every day and at lunchtime every day that you do. Okay, so what's that mean? There are some of us who have been getting together for the past three months. We've been praying for you. We've been praying for our city. We've been praying for our communities. And man, some cool stuff has happened. But we've been talking about it and then we finally went and did it. Okay, we, did, we took it seriously that Jesus sent us to seek and save those who are lost. We took it seriously that the gospel is the, mm, is the treasure and it is to be guarded and it's to be given to others. That we're to entrust it to faithful men as Titus 2.2 2 says or 2 Timothy 2.2 2 says. That we want to do that. We want to be about that. So we've been getting together, praying, talking about it, and uh, it's, been a, it's been a pretty cool journey. Uh, those of you who have asked to come up here, come up here. Um, it won't take very long because... I'm long-winded, and tonight's been crazy. Yeah, it sure has been crazy. Whew. Come up here real quickly. You heard Crystal. Crystal's going to uh, beat me later um, because of that video. But Crystal is awesome. If you don't know Crystal, you need to get to know Crystal because the gospel, you can go sit on the stage, whatever, because the gospel has done some crazy stuff in Crystal's life and is continuing to do so, and it's just awesome to see the Holy Spirit transform Crystal. Um, let me also introduce to you Amanda. Amanda's come here recently, what, about two months ago, three months ago? August. That was the same time I came. Amanda came and has blown us away by a story that I'm going to ask her about in a second. Uh, she lives in South Fort Worth, rep, Fort Worth, representing the South Fort Worth crew with Joe as well. Joe and Amanda are friends and have been friends for a long time, but they don't live together. Yeah, that's another class. Um, back to that holiness thing. Don't live together, okay? And then we have Dave, who's done some pretty cool stuff over the past couple of months with, uh, with the guys in this area. And yes, he does want to meet guys, okay? So, Amanda, real quickly. 
We've been getting together with, this, with the purpose of praying for our community and asking God how we can take the gospel out of the four walls of the church. Amanda, tell us, um, briefly, tell us about your story that God has, God has done in your life over the past couple of months. Talk real loud. Uh, maybe let me get you the microphone. Because Daddy wants to record this. Yeah, it's really important. And we'll do a remix. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, I came here um, for the purpose of getting into a bigger city where I can meet Middle Eastern people for that, with that purpose. Transferred, transferred here with my job, one, to do missions in my workplace, but as I was starting to look for a place to live, um, I started teaching ESL as a volunteer, as a volunteer and met a lot of Iraqis and found out where they lived and kind of stalked them for a little bit and prayed. Um, it wasn't safe. Um, the neighborhood was kind of dangerous. And I prayed again. And just God really broke my heart for this community. And God has placed Iraqi refugees in an apartment complex in South Fort Worth. Um, and he, he wants, I don't even know how to say this briefly. Sorry. Um, We say that we want to be missionaries, and it's this idea that we have that you get on a plane and something magically happens to you, but it doesn't. There's nothing special about my walk with God. If you are reading the Bible and you love Jesus and you have been transformed, you cannot ignore the loss that are around you. And God just broke my heart for the Iraqis, and I just purposely lived there. Um, so that I can befriend these women and their children and hopefully get my friends to befriend the men. And so I can share Jesus with them, and I want to see them to come to know Jesus because living in America will not help them. It will not provide them hope, but Jesus gives them hope. And so I hope that I can become a better missionary by living there so that if I do get to go to the Middle East and share Jesus, that I have the practice and I have the lifestyle that it takes to be a real missionary, even in a different culture. So I hope that I'm a missionary here. Awesome. So you can imagine what, what that does to a group of 20, 25 of us who are meeting you know, every Sunday night and we hear a story of, hey, we want to take the, the gospel to the community around us and we see a living example. And I love your hum humility in that she realizes this is not like some super Christian. This is the call of the gospel for each one of us. Okay, so last uh, two weeks ago, I gave them an assignment. We've been looking at what biblical community looks like. We've been looking at how we're to confess sin to one another, how we're supposed to bear one another's burdens, how we're supposed to forgive one another, all these one another's within Scripture. And God's done some healing in our hearts so that we can then turn out to the community, right? Yes? No? Am I lying? Okay. Uh, that's happened. And as we've been considering this, we saw that Jesus said, okay, you've been taught, now go. Go out two by two. He sent out the 70, which were followers of Jesus, and said, go. I give you authority. Go out into all the communities around here. Take the gospel of the, of the kingdom. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And see what happens. See what happens, and then come back 
and we're going to debrief, and we're going to talk about it. So these guys, Crystal, why don't you tell us about uh, the experience that you had two weeks ago on Sunday night? Okay, well, um, I'm trying not to break out in, like, red hivy rash. Anyways, um, uh, I went out with... Thank you for trying not to do that. (laughs) Anytime. (laughs) I went out with Andrea and um, Sarah George and Nyree, and then one of my friends joined us up there at Starbucks by the mall. And we were kind of like, how are we going to do this? Like, how are we going to meet people? Um, How do we, you know, not stay, like, right here? So as we're sitting there, this young kid comes up, and he's kind of, well, he burps really loudly, to be honest. And um, we all kind of look at him, and then he says, excuse me. And then so we start talking to him about, like, our church and about things. And um, a little bit before that, we had met another girl named Jessica. And... um, she had, had really just... nice boots, <laughs> right? Yes, they were fantastic boots. She had nice boots. Um, boots. We'll tell you that story later. Anyways, thank you, Jeremy. Anyways, <laughs> and it's coming. And um, so, uh, <laughs> why did you do this to me? Anyways, so um, we commented on her shoes, and um, as we're talking to this kid, she says, why didn't you guys tell me about the church there? And we were like, oh, wow, we kind of failed on that point. So we pulled her over. We started talking to her about our church and about um, just all of us and kind of just befriended her. And we found out that she um, has been visiting other churches and is looking for a community. And um, so we've just, I've kept in contact with her and she's here tonight. And um, we just. You have nice boots. Where are you? Boots. I'm embarrassing. Go ahead. Yes, you are. Anyways. Um. Thank you. Anyways, uh, it's been a very humbling experience a lot for me because even though I tend to be fairly outgoing, sometimes to talk to strangers in Starbucks is a little awkward mm-hmm. and weird. And um, although I get approached in like Walmart and Target because I have a sign that says talk to me, I'm friendly. Um, <laughs> but sometimes like to actually be the one to initiate conversation sometimes can be very overwhelming and um and to be real and honest with people and say, hey, this is where I am, this is where we're going, and this is what God has said for me to do. So, cool. That's what so, Amanda did this with, uh, with, she and Joe went to the Iraqi people in the apartment complex as well. Joe, tell us a little bit about that situation. Yeah, when Amanda says uh, she hopes her friends get involved, uh, I'm one of them. <laughs> so, I, I ended up going with her and meeting a guy named Zaid who is the husband of one of the wives that Amanda teaches on Tuesdays. And it wasn't my first experience with a Muslim. Um, I have a lot of friends from Saudi Arabia, from OU, where I came from. And I met him, and just some of my, my prayers before we got there, um, I think a lot of Muslims in America that have interaction with Christians, they think that... All we want to do is really argue and tell them how wrong Islam is. And so I really prayed that God would do some things for Zayd to really sh- to see that like I care about him. And so we got there and we talked. They gave us tea. The tea's awesome. You should go just to experience that. Um, but he, he brought out this letter about how his kids just lost their Medicaid. So we got to talk about that. And then I actually got to help him fill out a form so he can get a birth certificate for his son that was just born. Um, so I say that to encourage you guys that God can open doors in really small ways to show his love to people through you. And 
I mean, I'm, I'm going to have that relationship with Zade, Lord willing, for the next few years to help him with English, to help out with things that he has to do for his family. And just, just one thing that I encouraged all of our group to realize uh, on Sunday when we talked about this was, where's someone I know? Stone King. Okay, how many hours do you have in a day? It, I mean, it's obvious. Come on. Okay, the same as me. Same as me, right? The same as me. And you've got to work, okay? So you work eight hours a day. You've got to sleep. So that's what, six or seven? So it's 15. It's nine left, right? You eat. What else? I mean, this is going to take time to really meet with people and share your life with them. I mean, this is serious. And so we've got to make sacrifices. And I know Zaid is going to call me when I'm busy with school. And when I don't want to help him, I know he's going to. But I have to continue to ask myself, and all of us do, is Jesus worth it? Yeah. And he is. He's worth it. Um, and just sitting in their living room, like the call to prayer is going off on their TV, and he's just sitting there like it's not a big deal. And like me and Amanda are kind of looking at each other like, are they just going to pray in front of us? What's going on? He, I mean, he doesn't care. I mean, his, his religion, like he's dead. And he, does, he doesn't get it. And like Jeremy was saying, I mean, he's praying that we're woken up by the, by the Lord, by the Spirit, but God uses us, too, to wake people up. Um, and so I'm, I feel very fortunate to know Zaid. And Amanda sent me a text last night um, after the ESL class, and he, he has these two precious little girls. That One of them's named Ima and Lulu. Amna, sorry, and Lulu. Okay, and Lulu's like two one or two, and then they saw me, and they didn't talk for like 10 minutes. It was hilarious. They were afraid of me. Um, but last night, Lulu asked where I was, and I didn't do anything special. I just I stepped out in faith. God gave me some kind of favor with them, and now that connection is there, and that's what he wants to do with every one of us, whether it's with internationals, with people in our workplace, with people in our neighborhood. So that's why we're doing this. Cool. Uh, Amy Alvin isn't up here, but I'm going to tell your story real quickly. Um, Everybody who did this, there was a different experience. They were all obedient. They all had faith, and it was all awkward for all of them. Uh, But they did it because Jesus says to do it. So they go out, and Amy, who are you with? Aaron Rex, okay? Amy and Aaron go out, and they go to Starbucks. And they have this, you know, they go to a Starbucks near TCU. And at first, they didn't have a lot of um, success, but that word's weird. They didn't, they didn't really feel like the Lord was leading them to engage with certain people because there was no one around them. Well, then, as they're sitting there, uh, they have a conversation with someone who is an agnostic for, what, 30 minutes? 30, 40 minutes. Um, Amy does this rogue way of getting into a conversation with her. And as Amy and Aaron are there... Um, Amy's talking, Aaron's praying, and then Aaron talks, and Amy prays, and they have this conversation centered around the gospel, not beating her over the head with, you know, you're, you're dying and going to hell and, and those types of things, but they're engaging in conversation with her and having a meaningful conversation with her and steering it toward the gospel. So she's doing it with internationals in her neighborhood, He is helping her with that. Crystal is passionate about her neighborhood and her area and the area around TCC. And uh, 
If you don't know Crystal's story, you need to get to know Crystal's story. And then there's Dave. There's Dave. Dave, um, Dave has Dave and Michael Stone King for what? For how long have y'all done the men's Bible study? Uh, about about six months. Okay, six months. They start a Bible study because they want to lead men in getting in the Word. They want men to be what God's called them to be getting past the fluff and into the Word with each other. Tell kind of a little bit about what's happened with that and where the Lord is steering you. All right. Um, like you said, uh, I'm just up here representing a, uh, a co-leader in our men's Bible study, being uh, Michael Stone King, the other one. Uh, uh, the Lord just put it on our hearts uh, probably about nine months ago, ten months ago, to, uh, to start up a men's Bible study because we it, one of those uh, things that we wanted to wanted to lead something or at least begin something that we thought needed to be done. And we thought studying scripture, uh, very uh, bland as some might put it, but just literally opening up, opening up the word and studying scripture chapter by chapter, verse by verse, getting some kind of uh, educational commentary to, to go along with it and just simply study. And we felt like the second thing with being, being in a single group is there's always the implication that the underlying, uh, the underlying theme of a single group is a dating game. So we wanted to make sure that we not intentionally took that, that, that out, but make the focus scripture. And we felt like having it be a guy's group where we can focus strictly on scripture would, uh, would be the most beneficial. So, um, so we simply started it. We you know, took the steps to put together the group, and, uh, and Mike and I just said, you know, we're, we're going to start this, and if nobody comes, we're still going to do this every other week. And, uh, and it's really, the Lord has, has, uh, has blessed it with the guys that have attended. Um, I know there's some in here, but um, it's really had a huge impact on the guys. It's had a huge impact on, on uh, Mike and I. Just the fact that we've been able to sit and study the scripture together, and uh, and the minute we stopped, it's been uh, it's been I don't know if chaotic's the word, but it's been pretty uh, pretty intense. The response we're getting as to when it's going to begin again. Um, so it's just in a you know a short synopsis. The the uh, the effect has been great. The uh, um, the support from the guys from Mike and I and the and what we have been doing has been. Uh, has been fantastic. Awesome. So Mike and Dave go out, and they've been doing this thing for a while. They go out to Starbucks, and correct me, you're not a Starbucks goer, right? Uh, n- no, Mike and I neither are. And, and unlike Crystal, Mike and I both have on our foreheads, don't talk to us. Okay. Nice. So we're, uh, we're it's pretty, I mean, I grew up in Florida, and if people talk to you, they're trying to sell something. So I'm just used to staying put and shutting my mouth. So yeah. um, I don't really have a come greet me on my face, and I don't think Mike does either. So, so how'd that work out for you with your Starbucks field trip? Uh, well, it's, uh, in, in some ways it wasn't successful uh being two guys just practically speaking being two guys in starbucks trying to approach maybe two girls in the corner that's just weird and then (laughs) although i don't put it past the lord to you know put us in those positions however it was somewhat difficult and then there was a a young couple in the corner that wouldn't get off each other so i didn't want to interrupt (laughs) interrupt that so um (laughs) 
So great. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike and I, you know, we talked about it. We obviously prayed about it uh, before we got there and as we're there. And and it just, you know, we we really thought about th- this is just um, how do you how, what'd you say? You said experiential learning. Yeah. Where, where you go out and you just kind of experience the situation where. Had we not been forced or been told or instructed to go out and do this, we probably wouldn't have come to the conclusion after that that, you know, we need to do this, but make a point to do this in other arenas that that we would be effective somewhere like the gym where Mike and I would be able to approach and talk to people and not make this a one-night thing at Starbucks, but make it a continual daily effort um, in in throughout our walk, throughout our uh, situation. So... Um, it, I guess it just forced you to really think, how can I do better at this? How can I, um, how can I successfully implement what, what Scripture has uh, called us to do, what Christ has called us to do? So um, I guess it was just a, a forcing you to think. Awesome. So what's going to happen is uh, I know that we've gone long, and thank you for giving us grace and uh, staying with us. But God... God is doing some cool things and the enemy is trying to work some weird things in order to develop character within us and we recognize that. But um, God has brought about uh, six or seven different groups throughout the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And what's going to happen is next week, next Wednesday night, we're going to come to this room and it's going to be what we're going to call a neighborhood sink. We're going to, if you're interested in taking part of this, if you're interested in living on mission with Jesus, seeing lives transformed for Jesus within your community, outside of the walls of the church, outside of the country club, the cruise ship mentality, but out there, uh, we, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. And here's the deal. Here's what's awesome. We talked about this last Sunday night uh, with our group. Even if none of you do this, we're still going to do it. Because what God is showing us is this is what it's about. Where we come to church, we're equipped, equip the saints for service, and then you go out. We gather together to be sent out. We gather together to celebrate the gospel and what God has done in order to go back out. We gather together again, celebrate the gospel, debrief. Oh, this is awesome. Testimony of what the gospel is doing in this person's life. We're sent out again. And it's a lifestyle. It's a 100% all the time, 24-7 deal. If you would like to take part in that, what's going to happen is next week, bring it. Come. We're going to connect you with people that are in your area so that you can do this within the neighborhoods. It's going to look different in every neighborhood. Each of the seven community group community groups um, that are partnered with people. People are in there that are going to do it together. They're at different locations, different people groups, TCC, TCU, UTA, and neighborhoods all around, all around us. Seven. With the purpose of that's going to happen, and then they're going to multiply, and then they're going to multiply. We're done with bringing people to church, not that bringing people to church is bad, but it's not the role of the church to, to spread the gospel of the church building. It's not the role of you bring somebody to a religious crusade and we share the gospel with them. It's your job to share the gospel. It's the job of a Christ follower to live on mission to seek and save those who are lost. 
because that's what Jesus did. If you're a Christ follower, that means you want to be like Jesus. Well, Jesus did this, so you're going to do this. My job is to equip you to do that, to resource you to do that, to show you that it's impossible without the Holy Spirit, to show you that it's impossible without you knowing the Word of God for yourself. And then we celebrate what God does. God is doing some really cool things, and we are excited about it. Um, if you would do, the, do us a favor, if you could take an hour and a half and, and minus the stuff at the beginning where it was a little crazy, um, if you could explain that to other people that are in this group that are not here tonight, that would be very helpful too. To explain to them, you know, we have like 115, 110 people here on Sunday morning. If you could explain to those people in a conversation that this is what's about to happen, then that would be great. Let me also tell you, you've probably been a part of a church before that's done a community group. This is not like most community groups. This is not a close-knit group of people where we just hang out with each other, otherwise known as a clique, okay? This is a, we are going to be in biblical community with each other, several people holding each other accountable, but the purpose is we're going to throw out the life raft. We're going to throw out the gospel to people in order to rescue them. We're going to throw out the gospel into the wreckage and bring people out into the light. That's what these groups are for, okay? To go and do what Christ has called us to do, all right? So be here next week. Uh, that would be great. Even just to check it out, you could even say after next week, you know, that's not for me. Uh, that's okay too. Um, also, if you would tell other people about it that aren't here, that would help me out a lot. Let's pray. And then let's get out of here. God, you are good. You are faithful. You are true. And you are holy. And because you're holy, you've said, be holy as I am holy. Lord, you have given us peace. Where we once were at enmity, fighting against you, at arms against you, because we were not a part of the kingdom of God. Lord, you in your kindness demonstrated your love for us so that we could be ushered into the kingdom of your marvelous son. You have given us peace with God because of faith. Faith that has taken root and has brought about the fruit of repentance and the fruit of a life that is different and set apart. Fruit that is brought about by the spirit of God as we put to death the deeds of flesh and walk by the spirit. Fruit that is a life that is seeking to do what is pleasing to the Lord. Fruit that finds a life that is sufficient in Christ. And so, Father, we come to you tonight celebrating what you've done on the cross, but moving past the cross to the resurrected life that you've called us to do. We get past the, uh, the Jesus has died to just set me free from my sin. We celebrate that but we move forward to Jesus has died to transform my entire life and my purpose and my plan. So Jesus, this is for you. We hope that you are pleased. And we ask again that you would wake us up, that you would take the Spirit of God and you would wake us up. That you would crucify the consumer lifestyle, that you would crucify the materialism that you would crucify living for our pleasure, and Father, that we would trade that in so that we could live for the pleasure of Him who does exceedingly abundantly above all we can think or ask. Him who is able to keep our feet from stumbling. Him who has equipped us for every good work in Christ Jesus. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.